Welcome back to the Brace Yourself Podcast, episode seven. Seven is heaven, as they say, or Jamie Vardy's heaven for 11. Anyway, regardless, welcome back. Thank you to any returning listeners. I hope you enjoyed the hurricane forecast uh, that came your way last week. Ian joins me again this week on the podcast to talk about <laughs> another... Interesting week, should we say Listen, I'm not going to lie, I, I thought this weekend was boring. <laughs> Mainly because of the United game, but... Yeah. There, there were a couple of games, but I think we've just been spoiled, haven't we? With like loads of high-scoring games to all of a sudden go back to maybe the normality of the Premier League, where it's well, like said, a one nil, a draw. It's not as exciting anymore. No, I said it last week, and you said no. We still got a couple of three threes. We've got a couple of two twos. I was like, look, it's it's heading that way. And lo and behold, this weekend we're uh, back to how the Premiership should look. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, teams are sort of settling into the new norm, as it were, mm. as well. They're used, to, they're used to not having fans, and they're starting to reflect the teams they they usually play as, rather than actually these. There's no fans. We can have a go, and I think teams are realizing. Well, hang on, we are the better team, or we are a high quality team. We we need to work on defending because there's been this like real gung-ho mentality in the Premier League of like you said like attack 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 what is defense and I think finally managers have gone like guys you still need to defend you've got to defend well I don't think it's I don't think it's the managers I think it's the goalkeepers because again we had a weekend of spectacular saves from goalkeepers like, yeah, they're yeah. just fed up they're like guys where are you like <laughs> the amount of time you see them screaming like where are you it's just I know. Like, the defense is non-existent I think it's yeah I think it's the goalkeepers being like guys I can't do everything here well, I, I completely agree. And we can start with the Leeds goalkeeper, really, and, and leading the line, as it were, because the villains were crushed by the heroes of Leeds, I guess, because I watched that game. I don't know how Leeds won 3-0, and that's no criticism to Leeds, but Villa were so up for it. They were everywhere. Jack Grealish was having a maestro masterclass. He was bloody everywhere. He ran past three defenders. He tried to imitate. He's like, by the way, I'm secretly Timo Werner. Ran past three and then kicked it at the keeper. But the keeper saved everything. And it was just like that sort of FIFA mentality, that part of the bus mentality of if we hold out long enough and get one, Villa's just going to become so deflated that we can capitalise. And obviously then Patrick Bamford went, hello, this is Patrick, and absolutely smashed Two worldies in and one, you know, one poacher's goal. But if you're a classic striker, you like, take it. That's what it is. Like Bamford is, you know, you, you score them as they come. So, very interesting first game. Yeah, I definitely think it was one of the most exciting of the weekend. I think Villa definitely they were in control of the game, but like you say, Leeds just shut them out nonstop. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe it. I, I just because Villa d didn't play badly. Yeah. You know, this, this, the scoreline is so unflattering, in my opinion, to the mm. way that Villa played. And maybe that's the the mental uh, break that's going to cause them to slip back. I really hope not. I want to see them. I want them to see bounce back from this and like continue. Because it, it seems like these are the more exciting teams in the Premiership right now, rather than your Chelsea and Arsenal. It is your Villa, your uh, Leeds. Again, mm. Newcastle are looking quite unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, Palace are somehow bouncing back. I don't understand that one. Zaha like, is, I think he's embraced, I'm staying at Palace forever, yeah. essentially, right? No one's going to buy me, mainly because of that 25% sell-on clause. So I might as well do bits while I'm here. But <laughs> no, I, 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 that. I agree. I think, I, the funny little side anecdote here, I was playing um, Call of Duty last night. 
uh, with a friend of mine and we were playing random zombies and we went in and uh, there was this there's this guy called Mr. Diabetes. I won't comment on the name, but uh, he was a Swedish fella and he was like, oh, I love football, man. I love football. I love football so much. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I said, Who, what's your favorite English team? And he was like, Aston Villa. And I was like, what? So you're Swedish? And he was like, yeah. I was like, I said, what, what about, what about Villa makes you think, oh, Villa's the one for me? I said, is it because, you know, the monarchy support Villa or something like that? And he was like, no, no. He was like, my favorite player is Gabby Abonglahor. And the 2008 Villa team with like Milner and Carl, oh, well, he said, and, and with like Milner and then their youth academy of producing like Ashley Cole and stuff like that. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, that is really, really niche and I really respect it and rate it. That's amazing. I know. And he just wanted to talk about football phrases. And I was like, listen, I was playing with someone who wasn't a football fan. So I was like, listen, we're going to have to dial down the football chat a little bit. I could talk to you for hours about it, but. Man, you've got to save it for this. this is exactly, this exactly, exactly. I said, and I was like, listen, fr- Friday night must have been terrible for you. And he was like, don't talk to me about it. So. <laughs> that, that is an amazing little connection. That's so bizarre. That's what football is about. That that's, is what, that's the beauty of it, yeah. That is what football is about. It's, it's a universal peer. He said he bought a, a Gabby Abongolo top as well. And I was like, really? I said, what a legend. must be the only Swede to own a Gabby Abongolo top. <laughs> no offence to Gabby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, we'll st- well, there were, there were a couple of shocks this weekend. Well, I think we should start with the shocks and we can go to the boring sure. know, run-of-the-mill results. So, uh, Manchester pays the iron price. West Ham. Ooh. West Ham. What <laughs> the hell is going on at West Ham? But it's not even like, oh, we'll just score a goal. We're going to score a motherfucking goal. I like, know. Antonio, what the hell? Jesus a standing kick. What the fuck is that? Honestly, oh, God, that, that was a class goal. Yeah. West Ham, oh, oh, look, I think Antonio should have had a penalty 100%. For sure, I, I think Edison yeah. definitely brought him down in the box. And I think they were very, very lucky to get away with mm. that. I was, I've been watching a couple of things about City because the real question is, like, West Ham aren't surprising me now because they keep doing this week week in, week out, week in, week out. And they're yeah. kind of reminiscent of Moises Everton, right? Where they they can cause upsets, they can play, and they fight every single second. And they're playing well as a unit at the moment. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Yes, they're still vulnerable. Of course they are because of the quality of their players. But they got heart right now. And it's starting to make me, you know, root for them. I, w- I was like, go on, beat City. And obviously I have other reasons for that but it was still City didn't look comfortable no. City looked like they've got a striker issue Aguero came off injured again yeah I, what are they going to do I'm not Jesus sure that... isn't good enough yeah. consistent you know they've got the problem is when you've got people talk about squad depth right they talk about how valuable it is to have squad depth you've got to have two players and two good players in every position the problem is when they don't play regularly when they always inconsistent, they can never find form and they can never mm. know how to play as a unit. They they just City don't have that robotic mentality they used to have of, yeah, City, of course City will score. Of course City will score. Because I don't feel like that when I watch them now. I think this could be one one. This could be yeah. one. You could lose this city. Whereas before, and I think you should know this as a Tottenham fan, when they scored in the Champions League against you and it was disallowed. Yeah. Part of you must have gone, well, of course they scored. But it was disallowed, luckily. But they yeah, still you, had that. It's always expected. It's always expected when Man City are on the field that they're going to clinch a goal somewhere. They're always going to push for the second. They're going to go for the third. They, 
think they were a team that wanted to win this season. I think we said the same about Arsenal last week. They're just not interested. And again, we saw that from Arsenal. They weren't interested. Mm. And when West Ham are now like, well, we're on that. And I think the shame is that West Ham have the ability, but they're clearly lacking it in that first instance, in that first half. Like if they were to kill the game in that first instance, like go up and get a couple of goals, I think West Ham would win games back to back. Like, but I just don't think they have that ability yet. They're, they're willing to put everything on the line and chase it and be like, well, we've got to get this back, guys. But they're still just pulling draws, which is massive credit to them. But I want to see them finish the game. Yeah, but the draw, they didn't do it against the draws, Spurs. The draws they're getting are against quality. Yeah, offense. I know. That, no, 100%. But they need to continue that. We know West Ham are that kind of team. They are always a spanner in the works. They're always going to be like, well, these are the big teams. Let's go get them. But I want them to see mm. in the next game, finish the game off. Get the goals and finish it. Well, as we said, like obviously they probably were riding on the momentum of coming back to draw 3-3 with Spurs. Mm. And they probably were so galvanised. They're like, listen, let's just go at City and see what happens. And City look uncomfortable. Yeah, they won in the Champions League last night. But part of me thinks Pep went, listen, I've won, I've won the Premier League like three times. I just want to win the Champions League. So if you just yeah. turn up there... I don't really care about the Premier League as long as you finish in top four. But the problem is, are they going to finish in top four? Not not with, like they've got eight points. I mean, look, oh, I'm not yeah. one to judge, but at least we drew against Chelsea, right? That yeah. was one where it was like, look, very even playing field, good attacks, shaky defences. Let's see how it goes. And for it to be nil-nil was probably an acceptable, I'm not going to say a good, because a lot of people are saying a good result. I'm going to say an acceptable result yeah. for both sides. West Ham taking the point of City... No, no, no. Not a good result. Terrible result, some would say. I think, I think I've said it for a couple of years, and even fact, no, Pep's not going to leave. No, don't be ridiculous. I think Pep's going to go at the end of the season, and I don't think he's going to be sacked. I think he's going to walk. That's all. Yeah. I just, they're going to, I think they're going to have a really bad year. There's been a lot of questions asked about since Van Dyke's been injured, injured, and since Liverpool, the results haven't necessarily been going Liverpool's way as much. That can anyone find a consistency to? take a huge leap ahead like Leicester did mm. and win the Premier League? And I think the answer is no, because look at Everton. Right? Yeah. Everton shocked me. They were really, really poor against Southampton. And I think, obviously, they were missing Richarlison. Maybe he's vital to their shape and their attacking flow. I don't know. They should have beaten Southampton with the form they're on. But then, I mean, I mean, again, Southampton brought it. Like, they they were clinical. They finished. Like, they, they took it to them. And to take that to a team that is running on that kind of form shouldn't be that easy to do. Yeah, you're still a goal here, and that's kind of the game done. But like you say, Everton weren't trying to give anything back, and Southampton pushed it again and got a second and mm. just tied that game up. And it was pretty much done by that point. Well, yeah, and obviously then Dinier got sent off, didn't he? But... You know, I, I, I see a lot of Everton fans saying, that's never a red, that's never a red. Let me give you a reality check, Everton fans. That is a red card. Yeah. That is a red card. I'm sorry. And I was shocked to see that people were saying it wasn't a red card. I was like, it couldn't be any more of a red card if you bloody tried. Like, you can't just hack away at people until you take them down. You Don't go studs up. You never, yeah. ever, ever. And he stands on his ankle for a long time as well. Yeah. That's the problem. He's just like, he's on there for like a good 10 seconds. You're like, all right, get off him. Mm. Digne's always had a temperament problem. That's his issue. He's a very good left back. I think 
Well, Everton will probably bounce back. I'm not going to be too critical, but it's they have the same. They face the same dilemma that Liverpool faced a couple of weeks ago now, right? Which is essentially you've lost. You have mm-hmm. lost. How do you bounce back? Liverpool bounced yeah. back with a draw against Everton, which many say Liverpool should have won, right? And yeah. I probably would agree they should have won, but they didn't. So, ha ha, jokes on you. Everton now need to bounce back big, big, big time and show. Sure. By the way, we win. Uh, you know, the, the the train continues, the journey continues, whatever it is. Because if they want to stay at least in contention for top four, they've got to go to Newcastle and they've got to do bits. It's 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 as simple as that, really, because yeah. I don't want to can't. see them drop away. Although, if they were to go on a little bit of a bad run, considering United played them in two weeks' time, I wouldn't mind that. Particularly. No, that's, that's when they'll bounce back, maybe. Yeah, no, no. No, because... You see, that's when we unleash the Cavani on them. You know, right, the absolute sure, animal sure. that is the Edison. <laughs> so, see, wow, I love how you're bigging him up this week. Earlier, it was like, "Oh, Cavani ain't not needed." No, not needed. listen, we we I can't comment on the ability of Cavani. All, all I will say is that he looked pretty good when he came on against Chelsea. He, I mean, he has he, a chance. He nearly scored straight away, and if Rashford had played the ball across the box, he probably would have had a tap in. So. Who knows? I think the value of Cavani isn't necessarily what he's going to do on the pitch, but more what he's going to do off the pitch. His elite history of strike, striking ability is probably going to be more valuable to the, the younger players than it is actually on the pitch. So, like, when Zlatan came, Martial's finishing improved because Zlatan yeah. sort of coached him and mentored him. And the same thing will happen with Cavani and Rashford and Greenwood and Actually, we have to talk about Mason Greenwood. Uh, have you heard about this? No, go on. So, he was on the bench against Chelsea. Yeah. Greenwood, ever since the England thing, has had disciplinary problem in a sense okay. of punctuality, turning up late to training, going out on the, uh, on the town drinking with Brandon Williams. Now, a lot of this is speculation, but it was sort of confirmed in a press conference by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that he was having some attitude problems. Now, obviously, that is very worrying because the model you want to follow is the Marcus Rashford model, right? Where he, sure. every, everyone loves Marcus Rashford. What he's doing for hungry kids in England is absolutely fantastic. He's uh, the pinnacle of what a professional should be. Mm. And I, to be honest, I could see him being knighted in the future. But he needs to look at Marcus and go, that's what I want to be. Not, yeah. And I'm better than Marcus, ability-wise. And that's my opinion, but I, I think that's the case. I could be not only a model professional, but a fantastic footballer. And yeah. he's getting drawn into, I'm 18, they've given me the number 11 shirt, I'm on more money, I'm falling into the cycle. And, you know, you, you think when you make a fuck up as big as he did on in, international duty with mm-hmm. Foden, you think he would go, I'm going to learn from this. But apparently he's not doing that. He's going, yeah, I'm going to go deeper down the well. Yeah, but that's, that's that age, isn't it? You, you just think you're invincible and nothing's going to hit you. He needs something to shake him and shock him, but clearly it's not happening. And You'd think in the, in the time like now where you're not really able to do anything, you would just put your effort into the football and yeah, go out and present yourself, you know? I agree. Um, but instead, he's trying to find any loophole he can to continue with it would, how he wants It would to be a shame because people don't like to see wasted potential, right? And no. if you want to look at mentality causing an issue in and stunting people's football careers. Just look at Mario Balotelli. There was one point where everyone was like, Balotelli, 
oh my God, what a talent. He's never missed a penalty. He went from Man City and now he's, he's gone on to Milan and now he's at Brescia and he's basically irrelevant. And the, yeah, and that's the other thing is you don't know how long it's going to last. Like when uh, Cissé came to Liverpool, he was massive and he had a huge attitude and it kept going back and forth. And then obviously horrendous incident with his, uh, with his leg getting broken. Mm-hmm. And then like he can't play as well anymore. Like he's out and like you had all that time and have you wasted it? You haven't been able to perform to that level. Like your time on the pitch is finite. You're not yeah. going to have forever on it. And I mean, at that age, you're going to feel like you have forever on the pitch. But there is a finite amount and... Hopefully it isn't talent wasted. Let's hope this is just a bump in the road for him and he's going to correct his. Because, again, I want to see that. I want to see him play well as an England fan. Like, I want to see it. Yeah, well, look, it's early doors. At least they're doing it. Well, at least he's having these issues when he's 18 and there's time to iron it out. But I think fundamentally it comes down to the support system around you, right? And people in Mason's life need to be saying to him, Mason, don't waste the opportunities you have here because you're only on a youth, you've, well, you're only just on a first, your first professional contract. If you get to the end of the five years and United think, do you know what? You've had a terrible attitude, a terrible punctuality issue, a terrible disciplinarian issue or whatever. And you've been average on the pitch. See you later. Yeah, it doesn't release you on a free, or we'll sell you. It doesn't matter. I think really he needs to go take have that. He needs an epiphany moment, obviously, and he hasn't had that yet. I assume where he goes right. I've been benched. He played the end of last season, eight games starting, and now all of a sudden Juan Mata is starting in front of him. If that doesn't tell, that's no disrespect to Juan Mata because Juan Mata has his value on the pitch as well. But what I'm saying is Greenwood benched him or secured that right wing spot for himself and now it's gone it's gone for some reason and it's always been it's been since the England the England national duty that's the problem well let's hope it can only be corrected and we hopefully see a talented young player continue with his career fingers crossed right okay so briefly let's go back to the United game Uh, yeah give us your point four draw Mm. Ollie got his team selection wrong in my opinion Dan James terrible terrible everyone said he's better on the left is he fuck he's awful (laughs) he just runs at defenders he's got no football in brain no football in intelligence he doesn't know when to pass he 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 shoots when he should pass and he passes when he should shoot you know that's that's the 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 common problem i think of a lot of footballers to have the the football intelligence to or you know the what would you call it the chemistry with your teammates to sort of sense where they make plays they don't have it yeah um what has Donny Van de Beek got to do to get a game? My God. And the Dutch press are going crazy about it as well. Why has Van de Beek gone to United if he's going to sit on the bench? Ollie, look, this all, stems, some reasoning, right? this all stems from the transfer issue, right? Ollie sort of hinted at, a, there's a, like, a little nugget of information he released in a press conference yesterday. Ollie says, I'm not ready to play players that aren't ready for the Prem. So in his opinion... Donny van der Beek isn't ready for the Prem. Even though, right. Ollie, every time van der Beek's been on, he's made the team much better. Just saying, he's not ready for the Prem, though. And he's already scored a Premier League goal. Doesn't make but, sense to me. You know, you have to think about team shape. You have to think about balance. Maybe maybe Dan James and Juan Mata offer something to the shape of the team and the balance of the team. I think he got it wrong. I think if yeah. you can play Juan Mata, who is not a particularly fast right winger, attacking midfielder, at right wing, who can read the lines, make passes, cut inside. Donny can do that. So play him. You know, Pogba's been benched. There's a lot of controversy about how Pogba has had enough. He doesn't want to be benched. He wants to leave. We're playing Scott McTominay, who's 
can't pass. Uh, McTominay <laughs> has his has his merits, but he cannot pass. His physicality, mentality, and aggression are great. His ability yeah. to pass the ball stifles our attacks so much; it almost suffocates it. And what Matic, it's like you want the legs of McTominay, as in the ability to run on the body of Matic, and all of a sudden you've got a world-class CDM again, which Matic has been in his career. However, yeah. he hasn't got the legs for it anymore. He can't play against aggressively pressing, uh, pressing teams, so it's tough. But do you Maybe feel like that's what Man United is sort of banking on, is just holding the ball and moving forwards with it rather than trying to release and make space? Because again, I, is, I felt like Rashford was a little selfish this weekend, like he tried to take everything himself. If I'm not honest. a striker, not a striker. He can play as striker if he absolutely has to. He's most effective on the left wing because his ability to burst with pace, cut inside mm. and deliver the ball and shoot is deadly. Martial is the better striker of two. What I will say is against Arsenal, Martial can't play because he's still suspended. So we're going to have Cavani up top. And I'm, I will be keen to see Rashford back on the left-hand side. Rashford feels probably a tremendous amount of pressure yeah. from the press he's getting to perform on the pitch as he is performing off the pitch. So I think that could potentially being ha- having an impact on his on his game. But look, sure. he's a big game player. Probably mm. not a big game. He had some good chances. He made a poor decision. He shot early and Mendy made a good save. But I can't believe Mendy saved that one in the 91st minute. That was that was quality save. Because no, I, was go- like, I was like, that's in. That's in. Yeah. But let's go back to Mendy's pass across goal. Oh, how, how is that I, not capitalized though? I think how- that I think that's just I think that was just a He's new to the team. The chemistry isn't there yet. He's used to maybe another player dropping that deep at his old club and passing. Yeah, but that no, that's that's curling in. That is just it was. I know. Listen, that's a that's a FIFA suicide pass. We all know that. Indeed, but I mean that must just hurt for Chelsea fans after their previous keeper. Look, he didn't. He didn't concede, and when push came to shove, he made the saves he had to make. It's as simple as that. Did he have any other than Rashford's last shot? All of them were fairly savable. Juan Matas was a good attempt, but again, he went near post. Mm. Mendy should be saving that all day. I will say Mendy is very tall, which I always find beneficial in a goalkeeper. Now, I think Chelsea... I've spoken about United. I'll speak about Chelsea a little bit. I think Chelsea paid us way too much respect. I think they were intimidated by us, especially off the back that we just beat PSG. I think they were very nervous because we just beat PSG about playing us. They set up defensively yeah. because last time they came to Old Trafford, we beat them 4-0. And it's not because they didn't play well, but because they attacked us, they pressed us, and we got them on the counter. Lampard was obviously terrified of that happening again because we are a very good counter-attacking side. I wouldn't say cowardly. A lot of people are saying it was a cowardly performance from Chelsea and Lampard. I think it was just Chelsea could not afford to lose the game. And we could not afford to lose the game. And thus, a board draw was probably inevitable. Yeah, sure, man. I don't think... I think Chelsea's attackers looked very tired. I think Timo Werner... Yeah, there wasn't much energy on the pitch. I think Timo Werner looked exhausted. I think he needs a break. I think Havertz, again, is still struggling to adapt to the Premier League. Yeah. It's 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 tough. I think, obviously, I think the defence has been a big issue for Chelsea, conceding lots of goals. So yeah. I think 
unfortunately, it's like a light switch for them. So if they press a switch, they can attack, but they concede. If they press a switch, they can defend, but they can't attack. That's the problem with them. I certainly see that. It definitely felt like that on the field. They have like to find that much balance. forward momentum. Yeah, but where are they going to find it from? Like, they got to figure out how they're going to structure that team and go forwards. But hopefully, with Mendy and Gold, they have a feel like a greater support. I feel like, I feel like there, defensive confidence is low because of Kepa. Yeah. So the probably the, the defenders in front of them think, well, hang on, we can't trust the goalkeeper, so we, we're feeling a tremendous amount of pressure ourselves to do a job that we're also not responsible for. You, know, yeah. you close down your attacker, you have to do your research as a defender. Everyone knows if you're facing an attacker that has a left foot, you always force him onto his right foot. If he, if he has a right foot, you always force him onto his left foot because mm-hmm. you, it's, it's a, as much as people don't realise it, there is a, a mathematical element to football of advantages especially when it comes to goalkeepers and defenders you close down an angle to a certain degree you have more chance of saving it you make your body big you have more chance of saving it if you know your opponent you know the probability of them scoring on their weak foot is much lower than the scoring Mm. on their strong foot you know it's instinctual and you'll know and especially since that's why you'll find that when new defenders come to the Premier League like Thiago Silva and stuff sometimes they'll struggle because and I'm not saying he is struggling because I think he actually played quite well against United you'll find that they struggle to adapt because they don't know the players. But obviously, players like Toby Alderweireau and stuff, they know, like Chris Wood, all this sort of stuff. They know which way they're going to go because they play them two times a year. They're used to their mannerisms as a footballer. Exactly. Thus, they can close it down. So that's why it always takes most defenders time to adjust in the Premier League. So speaking of poor defensive units, let's talk about Arsenal. I mean, I said it last week, and I think... What is there's no interest. The like the lackadaisical passes across goal, the just oh we'll play it out from here. Like there's no energy. They were on that undefeated streak at the beginning of the season, and that seems to be all they had. And all of a sudden, as soon as that was taken away from them, they've gone, Well, that's the season. Guys, you you're seven games in. Come on. Let's um let's be real. Arsenal got way too ahead of themselves. They beat some lowly opposition. And when they've come up against tough, tough opposition, they've lost all three. It's, yeah. it's as simple as that. It so really simple. is. Now, here's a stat for you, Ian. In 26 games as Arsenal manager, Arteta, yeah. he has a worse win record than Emery, who was sacked and Arteta replaced him. But Arsenal fans would, again... And there is, a, there is a talking point here, and a couple of Chelsea fans have sort of broached this, and I've sort of seen a couple of United fans broach this. Lampard, Oli, and Arteta are all essentially the same manager, right? Yeah. They're ex-club legends. Arteta's not a club legend, but we'll, 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 we'll put him in there. Maybe to well, some yeah. Arsenal fans, but yeah. you know, that's like scraping the barrel sort of thing. He was a, a good player, but he wasn't a legend. They're all essentially parallels to each other. Lampard and Oli make a mistake. They get criticised like hell. And if they do something good, no one ever talks about it, right? So you didn't hear people going, oh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Masterclass, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Masterclass, after yeah, yeah, yeah. he beat PSG. You didn't hear that. But people going to Brendan Rodgers and going, oh, Masterclass, Masterclass, for beating Arsenal 1-0 on the break. Come on. Like. But Arteta always gets a free pass. And I don't understand it. And I think it's because of what I would call it is the departed effect, yeah? So you know how right. in the departed, you've got Nicholson, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Damon, DiCaprio, and then Wahlberg's in there. And everyone's like, oh, Wahlberg, he's really good because he was that really good in that like one scene in the departed. And it's like, yeah, but 
everyone else was like really good in that film and he gets a, like a little bit of residual shine off it. So everyone's like, sure. oh, what a great movie. Wahlberg was fantastic in it, even though he's in it for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's the Arteta effect. Because he has that association to Pep, they're like, oh, he was Pep's student. He's probably going to be quite a good manager. And he's, he's, he's gone to the temple. He's learned the ways of football. And now he's, he's gone out to do his own pilgrimage. Mm. But the reality is, is Arteta is as learning on the job as Ollie and Frank. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to comment as a Spurs fan because we have the running joke that obviously Arsenal can do no wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, we know anytime the press story comes out about Arsenal, like you're saying, it's always twisted. It's always spun for a positive. And we as Spurs fans know that and we just take it every single time. We could smash them 3-0 or 4-0 and there'd still be a spin that Arsenal had a great game. Mm. Like, I don't know where that comes from. I, I think Arteta is adding to that. There is definitely this weird residual factor. I think, you know, whereas, you know, Solskjaer has got to live up to Ferguson, it seems like... Yeah, but Arteta has to live up to Wenger, who yeah, who's I the think, only but, manager who went invincible in the Premier League. Yeah, and I know. And I think there's just this weird sense that... It's that, like you're saying, that like rub-off. And I think there's no difference between the Wenger and Arteta. Like, they're just like, oh, it's Arsenal manager. Like, it's just the same difference to them. In my opinion, I, I just think it's the same person. Look, if I were to look at it objectively, I would say there's a lot of modern day sports writers that probably grew up or had their formative years of football in probably the early noughties. And mm. as a result of that, are probably Arsenal fans. Let's, let's just be real. Hey, you don't need to tell me. You know, there probably were a lot of sports journalists that were Arsenal fans at that time. So they give them, yeah. you know, they give them probably an easy going. Like, that's just. That just happens. Like, like United, United could go smash Real Madrid 5-0 and we'd still get criticised in the press because we weren't good enough. People love to love Arsenal and hate to hate United. You know, hated, adored, but never ignored. Mm. It goes both ways. And sometimes, look, that's, that's the way it is in football. But with Arteta, I just think he is learning on the job. So I don't want to be overly critical because I can yeah. see the parallels between Frank and Ollie. However... His selection isn't like Ollie, where he sticks to a team and goes, this is what I think the best team is. I'm adamant this is it. Let's yeah. go. What he does is he changes his attacking three nearly every week. Willian, Pepe, Lacazette, Lacazette, Aubameyang, Willian. It's like, pick a front three, mate. Is it, but like, how is he going to figure it out? Clearly, it's not working in the training grounds. He's got to test it on game day. Look, I, I saw people were criticising Aubameyang the other day, and rightfully so, because he has been, since he got his big money, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. absent. Where is he? Scored one Premier League goal uh, this season. Yeah, I said, golden boot. Yeah, look, <laughs> last two seasons, sorry, last two seasons, no, 22, I'm, goals I'm you, yeah. and, and tw- 22 goals. The, the statistics are there to say, by the way, this player is clinical in the Premier League, but apparently he doesn't give a flying fuck now that he's got his, his payout or the system just isn't working but it still stands that he's clearly a major factor for Arsenal and the fact that he's disappeared is affecting them well yeah and, and then look at the Ozil situation as well you've got Aubameyang not performing the Ozil yeah. situation is <sighs> ridiculous now I can understand why maybe Arsenal are like I've had enough of you Ozil yeah right because he doesn't perform he's shitty he plays live streams when he should be in training, saying he's sick, all this sort of stuff. And then he obviously, I don't know if you saw, but Ozil released that statement saying he was like greatly insulted that they let him out of the Premier League team. And he loves the club and he wants to play and this sort of stuff. 
and then I saw loads of people. You know that meme where it's like about Mario Kart, where there's like the the banana, and it's like, yeah. wouldn't it be a shame if someone <laughs> lipped you up at the last second? And I saw a similar meme, which it would have been. It was like Arsenal struggled to creatively uh, to be creative against Leicester, and then yeah. there was an Urza one. It was like, wouldn't it be wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't it be a shame if you had a creative playmaker that was a World Cup winner on the bench? Hmm. But yeah, Ed Steady's at home. Oh man, it's true though. Like, what's the point? Yeah, in, what is it. the point in leaving him out of your Premier League squad? What is well, the I point? Mean, if he is being shitty, you've got to send the message. Like, yeah, but he's at the end of his career. He's probably got like two years left on his contract. Just what's the point? He's yeah, he is sure. at the end of his career. He's not going to go anywhere else and prosper. He's probably going to go to Turkey, obviously, because Özil's uh, uh, like half Turkish or Turkish in descent. He's really going to go there and have a couple of quiet years where he, he probably does bits for like Galatasaray or something or Fenerbahce or whatever. So what's the point? Just play him. He can he can cause stuff. When he's on on his day, Ozil is deadly. Now, yes, yeah. those days are becoming more few and far between. Fine. But when you're playing Granite Xhaka and Thomas Party, now Thomas Party, no criticism of Thomas Party. For sure. He's just, um, he's just started... He's a defensive midfielder. He's not a creator. Where's mm. the creator in their attack? There isn't one. William is what he's counting on being the creator. I just think, look, a lot of Arsenal fans are crying over Twitter saying Xhaka's... You saw the disallowed goal, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, that is the rule. Yep. That is the rule. Xhaka is impeding Schmeichel. Doesn't matter if he moved back afterwards... He's impeding his vision to get to the ball, and thus it is not a goal. Those are the rules. I'm sorry, Arsenal fans. You can cry, whinge, moan about it all you want. If it happened to you, you'd be saying he's impeding Leno. It's as simple as that. For sure. But that, that's, that's, that's football, man. We're, we're going to complain about everything. As we've said it's multiple times. You're not it's winning. Never to it. We all have our... A day in the sun and all of our day in hell. Yeah, it, it comes around, goes around. Sorry, fans. Well, now Leicester just went. Listen, all we're going to do is you remember that time we won the Premier League and we just played counter attacking long ball football. We're just going to do that again. And, and guess what? what? It's going to work. Like, so well worked. Jamie Vardy. Vardy. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, yeah, great, great stuff to see. You can't oh. really see. That. Leicester fans do make me laugh sometimes. So they're like, what a tactical masterclass from Brendan. No, I mean, purposely, yeah, it pur- purposely benching Vardy until the 75th minute and bringing him oh, on. Come no, come he was on. injured. That's why. And Brendan, uh, Brendan Rodgers saw an opportunity to go, right, hang on. Arsenal are struggling here. They're frustrated. Yeah, Let's yeah. bring Vardy on for the last 15, which is the only time he's fit to play and see what he can do. And lo and behold, he scores. It's not a tactical masterclass. Yes, he set up well defensively. Arsenal struggled to break teams down. That is something we know. Yeah. Fine. Good game. Good goal. Leicester needed the three points really, yeah, sure. really badly. So, Vardy, again, I don't know how no one's bought Jamie Vardy. 33, six goals in the Prem. Fair play to him. Really good goal. Should have had a second. Can't believe he didn't score that second one. 
Yeah, I don't know what I was about. Why did he try and chip him near post? That is too audacious yeah, for me, Jamie. Much. Listen, I like a flair as I like a little bit of a fruity footballer, a flairy footballer as much as the next man. But not a chip at near post, you absolute oh, psycho. Just I mean, just lash it in the bottom corner. What's he going to do? He's going to miss it. Hey, it's, it's not always possible, as some proved. In the, yeah. in the Tottenham game, come on! He should have had a couple, and he My messed God. it completely. Like, you weren't that—you weren't that great in the Tottenham game. I'm not going to lie. Look, did you not see how late the goal came? Of course, yeah, you weren't that great. I like, know. Come on, we the goal pushing. was great, but the goal was is a nice link-up, as we love to see a little cane to Sonny. Like we love it. That connection um, is yeah, frightening. We That's great. almost like telepathic. That connection now, isn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. The fact that it's head to head is insane. Just but, um, that. I guess the uh, biggest the, the commentator was like, "Oh, that's something they must have practiced on the training ground." I was like, "No, no, way. Kane's <laughs> got to hope someone's over there flicking it. Like he doesn't know Son's there. He's just trying to get it o- across the goal face, hoping yeah, no. someone Son's there. The finish is but class. Again, the finish is good. I, I think again, a big shouting point is Kane just being an absolute team player. Clears it off the line, gets an assist. And still keeps pushing for the attack. Like he is the game maker, and that mm. all coming from your forward is incredible. But other than Kane being this playmaker, we didn't really show up. Like, yeah, Son looked good again, but just had no presence in front of goal other than his one goal. Like he should have put those away. Like mm. classic Son goals, burst through, breaks the defense, but just can't finish. I mean, hats off to um, the keeper in that situation. He got low did what he did, had to make his body big, and he was impressive, but realistically, Son should be finishing that stuff. Um, yeah, look, but again, Pope is a good goalkeeper. He is a very good goalkeeper. You know, I, so I, I'm not going to hate on him for that. But they probably, Burnley also probably, because of the goal that Son scored last season, were probably like, we don't yeah. want any major embarrassment here. We just want a nice, clean escape, maybe a draw, yeah. whatever it may be. But ultimately, the real MVP of that match for me was Hugo Lloris. Without Lloris, you guys were in trouble that we game. We were screwed. And Lloris shows again why. A lot of people don't talk about Lloris like he's a world-class goalkeeper. Even though he's a World Cup, World Cup winning mm. goalkeeper, they don't talk like he's a, a world-class goalkeeper because, I don't know, he doesn't get the same headlines as like De Gea or Edison or Allison. However, yeah. he's a very consistent goalkeeper. Right. And also, underrated for his ability to stop a penalty, not that there was a penalty mm, worth talking yeah. about, listeners. However, I'm saying he has very core attributes for what makes a good goalkeeper. He has good reflexes, yeah. ability to shot stop. Yeah, sometimes he gets beaten, so does every keeper. But he is Mr. Consistent for me in terms of the Premier League. If you're going up against Lloris, you know it's never going to be easy. It's as simple as that. And he didn't make it easy so for Burnley. And they couldn't take their chances because of it. Now, at the end of the day, they you shouldn't really to, be having those chances. That's you needed the issue to win. Here. Yeah, you needed to, to win. win. You had to win. And Burnley were making it very difficult. They were turning that screw. They were like, uh-uh, no, no, no. But, the, but a little bit of brilliance from Harry Kane uh, and then a superb finish from Human Son. The head-to-head finish, my God. What a goal. Now, let me ask you this. Does Mourinho think Bale might have been a mistake? Well... I think yes, unless he is just hoping it's those game-changing plays where it's like, oh, we've got a free kick, let's bring him on, let's see if he can provide the magic, you know, the corner in the last 15, let's bring him on, let's swing that in. But I think he has made a mistake. He doesn't know what to do with him. 
because I was saying it last week, Bale is an in individual and Spurs has always been very much team. Like, and we're definitely seeing that now from Kane and Son. Like, it's the link up of dreams. And then you're putting Bale in the mix. I just don't see what he's going to add. And I think Mourinho is realizing that, that Spurs always have worked well as a unit mm. or as in small partnerships. You, you know, Alderweireld and Vitalman partnership, creating the back four, all that kind of stuff. Now we've got Son and Kane up front, creating everything. And that's what we look for in our team. And I think putting Bale on as an individual isn't going to make the plays that he thinks that it should be contributing to the game. Um, so maybe he is just the last minute weapon for a corner, for a burst forwards. Like maybe we'll get something out of this. Because again, Bale is a presence in the box. Or he's whipping the corner in, or he's taking the free kick. I don't think but, he's fit. I don't think no, he's fit. That's I don't think there's. I, th I don't think he's fit. That is the issue, and I think he showed yeah. that against West Ham when he burst forward. Yeah, he did amazingly well with his natural cardio to burn forward. But when he came back to the halfway line, he was like, <gasps> because he hasn't played. Because Real yeah. Madrid have not been playing him. He's clearly not fit. I I would if I was Mourinho. I would start him against the likes of Sheffield, the likes of Burnley. I reckon he mm. could have caused Burnley absolute nightmares that game. But the problem is, sure. yeah, clearly he doesn't want to start him. I know you started him in the Europa League. He didn't do anything there. Interesting. It's just, I thought he would have scored by now. I'm a bit disappointed. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Or even assisted or caused some sort of anything moment some impact. magic like, key pass know? attack. But at the moment, he's just been like, by the way, I'm not fit, and yeah. I can't really cut it at the moment, but hopefully that improves. Now, I don't want to spend too much time this week talking about VAR, Ian, but there have been a couple of... How long did it run for VAR, last time? A, lo a long time. <laughs> a long time. The Everton-Liverpool yeah. section was quite beefy. So, listen, a lot of Liverpool fans are upset about the VAR right. decision. They won... Half the Liverpool fans believe that it wasn't in the box, and the other the other side believe it wasn't a foul. Let me let me just clear this up for you. We'll clear it up with both of our opinions, right? Good My you. opinion is, it was a foul, one hundred percent. He doesn't mm. get the ball; he gets the man first. And two, the letter of the law is if it's on the line, which it was, it is a penalty, mm. right? That's my stance on it. It is okay. a penalty. Sorry. Fabinho, as much as you want to say, by the way, Fabinho is so versatile. He's the greatest centre-back in the world. He, he's not a centre-back naturally. He will yeah. go in for challenges, which are rash. It will See, happen. Mine was, yes, it's a foul, but I didn't believe it was a pen. But that you didn't, think, from, it was in the, you didn't no, think it was in the box? Because my understanding is that the majority of the ball has to be over the line. It doesn't have to be like a small amount. And I think it was just clipped before he was going in. Obviously, the breakaway is going to carry him into the box. I think it was a challenge outside the box, personally. Very much on the line, which then, to your point, means it is a penalty, but that's not, that wasn't my understanding Listen, of that rule. We can only follow the rules, right? Because that's what the Premier League told yeah. us. There are no intent. There are no marginals. There is just the letter of the law, and the letter of the law For is sure. it's on the line. VAR is continuing to be contentious. We had that first brilliant weekend of VAR when everyone was like, oh, VAR, yeah, where have you been? Well done. And then from that that point onwards, we've had everyone hates VAR again. Surprise, surprise. Sure. So again, I will say Nothing it's changes. not the system. It is the people operating the system. They make the decision. 
they're the scapegoat. VAR mm-hmm. is the scapegoat for their poor decision making. Premier League referees have had the, the run of the roost for as long as they can remember, mm. and they don't like that this machine has come in to basically replace them. You know, they're Luddites, and this is the Industrial Revolution. Sorry, but technology has its place in football. The sport evolves. You have to adapt with it, and you have to be responsible Indeed. for the tool that has been provided to you. And at the moment, in my opinion, match officials aren't being responsible. No, I mean, I think point in case is... The yellow to red incident. What I can't think what game that was in. Oh Sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said that's uh, it's in the Fulham game. And everyone and everyone the commentators were like, it's not a red. Well, I didn't think it was a red. And the officiator went, I'm giving him a red. And everyone was like, what? I don't know why. Like yeah, he's his boot is up, but he's just going forwards. Whereas previous in the the other red card, they're just chopping, chopping, chopping. And this one, he's just gone for it, misstepped, and got him. But listen, I don't, this is the problem with football. And I, I don't like to talk about problems with football because I love it and I think it's the best sport in the world. Yeah. However, the problem is you can have intent on a tackle, apparently, or at mm. least suspected intent, but you can't have intent on a handball. Hmm. What do you mean? You can't have intent on an offside because it's a black or white, it's offside or it's not. Fine. Right? But on a motion, as in like a handball, did he do it purposefully or did he not? How can you have an accidental handball, which again was yeah. up on the weekend and a purposeful handball, but you can't, you can have an accidental challenge and a purposeful challenge, but you can't have intent in handball. It's just not making sense. Like Come keep, on. Like, like, I think out. we've just written into it too much that we just don't know what we're looking at anymore. They're, they're, yeah, that, that is what it is. They've written themselves into a corner and then that does ex machina to like, right, okay, we'll get ourselves, <laughs> get ourselves out of that situation. Go on, off you go. Yeah, and then yeah. save the, the handball and then it didn't count anymore. <laughs> off it goes. It is absurd and it is frustrating and I understand why football fans are getting annoyed about it because, yeah. you know, they're talking about uniformity, unilateral letter of the law. Where is it then? Where is this unilateral letter of the law that you're talking yeah. about? Because it's not there. You're saying, well, on this, it's fine, but on this, it's not. And it's filled with this double standard that handball has to be viewed separately to the way that fouls are viewed and the way that offside are viewed. And it's just, it's confusing and it's almost like... They need this big reset of go right, scrap all the rules of football, and we'll keep the ones we we liked, mm. and worked, and everyone was happy with, and then we're just going to re-examine the way that we do this. But it's kind of like, you know, in the American legal system, where instead of abolishing a law, they write like an amendment to it. Yeah, you just uh, see section C. So like in California, apparently they have the law of which is you're allowed to have one while you drive, like yeah. one, one one glass of or a certain amount of units of alcohol. And then they have a subsection, which is, you're not allowed any. Well, then just say you're not allowed any. What the fuck are you talking about? And they call it buzzed driving. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> just, what's the point? Just say, you're not allowed to have any alcohol. Simple. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're just, you know, we're basically going to omit the law through these subsections. It's absolutely ridiculous. And that, that is what is, the law yeah. is like, you know? It's so absolutely insane. Like the encroachment line. How often do you not see that enforced? Indeed, and then like what was? And then in big games, they're like, "We're enforcing it because the whole world is watching." But in little games, we don't care. And then very obvious fouls go completely missed. I can't remember which game it was in, but a defender just literally holding the attacker, like Maguire. Maguire. Yeah, Chelsea should have had a penalty, one hundred percent. If any Chelsea fans are listening, think, "Oh, Harley skipped over that." Here now, Maguire. What was that? that? Bar that had a very good game. Yeah, but 
that was a penalty, 100%. You don't hold a player. And it wasn't even flagged. It wasn't spoken about. I know. Even the commentator but, was like, oh, he's got to get the better of him here. I'm like, yeah, he's physically forcing him to the ground. They think it's getting the better. They think it's interesting that they didn't VAR check that, but they VAR checked Thiago Silva's um, foul on Rashford. That's the difficulty, right? And we sp- we've yeah. previously spoken about why players go down, why they don't go down. That should be the example of why players go down, right? Because mm. if Rashford goes down there, 100% they give a penalty because Thiago Silva makes contact with him. For sure. Right? But because he stays on his feet, they don't give it. That's... Again, and that just all ties neatly into the problem with footballing law. Yeah. Right? If you hit someone in the box with your foot, if you make a bad tackle and you don't get the ball, I'm sorry, it's a penalty. doesn't matter if they stand up, they go down, but there has to be a reset on what footballing law is. Now, yeah. Ian, we must carry on because, listeners, I'm sorry, but there's a game on at 8pm and we're this recording. The only <laughs> way we can short these episodes is having deadlines. So Man United are playing Leipzig yeah. at 8pm. <laughs> Dangling a Man United game is the only way we can stop Harley Ramble. And listen, I don't miss. <laughs> I do not miss Man United games. I am a diehard. Oh, fan. be in a car with Harley trying to get back for a Man United game. Exactly. Really? Absolute terrible. I watch it in cars. I watch <laughs> it at work. Uh, not my current work, if any of anyone's listening. Now. <laughs> Mainly because it's night work now. But um, anywhere I can, I've got it on my phone. I've got it on the go. I'm a diehard United fan. I'll watch every single game. Indeed. So we have 45 minutes, listeners, to give you a break showcase and briefly talk about the Champions League very quickly. And talk about head-to-head results. There's quite a lot of things to do in that time, but we'll give it our best go. So, Ian, I don't know if you saw the Champions League results yesterday. The biggest one that stood out to me was the, uh, the Madrid game. What is going on at Madrid in the Champions <laughs> I League? I have no idea. I know they got it back to 2-2, but they should be beating they should have, yeah. They, they should, should be, be getting beating, it back. They should yeah. be beating them, right? Gladbach had Every a good season time. last year, but Madrid's quality of players are are tenfold to what the Gladbach mm. players are. So I do not understand how that's even happened. And also, they look like, if Gladbach had got one more, Jesus Christ, it was game over. One point out of their first two games, they're in a tough group as well. I'm not convinced they're going to go through. I don't think they are either. With that set of They've got to turn it around. And the way that the Champions League's being done now is there's no break, right? So we're, doing, we're literally doing six weeks mm. in a row of of fixtures rather than yeah break we come back so they've got to get it right there's no time to go away mentally reset come back and say right we've got to win these next three games you've got to focus on the league and this and yeah. also especially on the on the back of real madrid winning the el clasico right and smashing barcelona at yeah. barcelona you think that then to draw 2-2 two, two with gladback i don't know what that's about that's a bit mental absolutely insane england take all three points i put here yes <laughs> Both English teams finally won yesterday. Good That's job. That's what we like to see. Good job. We like to see. And then I put um, Bayern Munich don't disappoint because again, you know, they've got six points. They're good to go. It's, sure. been, an, it's been an interesting Champions League. Obviously, mm. United playing Leipzig tonight. That is a tough game. That's going to be yeah. a hard game. Leipzig obviously beat you guys in the Champions League last season. Sorry, Ian. Um, Did they? I didn't remember. They knocked you out, mate. <laughs> so- I freaking know! You don't need to remind me. I'm trying to delete memories. Well, listen, I'm internal they, sunshine right they, now. They, they, might knock, they, might knock, they might knock us out. To be, well, not last season. That was the season before, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I oh, know it was last season. Mourinho took over and managed to get you through the group stage. Wow. 
all or nothing. Thank you for giving me those memories. <laughs> Champions League's a bit of a mental one. At the moment, as we as we stand, let's just see what's yeah. going on in terms of scores. So, Chelsea are beating Krasnodar 1-0. Callum Hudson-Odoi scored. And PSG are struggling to beat Istanbul, which for United is... That is delicious. That's very delicious. Mm. Okay, so, listeners, it has happened. As we predicted, it would eventually happen. There was only one brace this weekend, and it was by Sir Patrick of the Bamford. Now, this is no discredit to Patrick, but we knew the week would come where we would have a Jay Rodriguez, as we cited <laughs> in the past. Bamford is not what you would consider a household name in terms of, of a footballer like Hugh Minson, Harry Kane, Mohamed Salah, Jamie Vardy. So I've gone away. I've done some research on the old Patrick, and I will try my best to deliver you an engaging showcase about him. Oh, no, I want a fully weaved narrative from his humble beginnings to this past weekend. I want it all. I'm going to cite another uh, footballer here okay. as an example of the sort of player that Patrick Bamford is. Okay. So, also, briefly, what I realised is we never actually said what the player did to get the brace showcase. <laughs> I've realised that now in hindsight. So, just to clarify... We should Bamford, know, right? Patrick Bamford scored three goals, scored a hat-trick against Aston Villa, and that is why we're doing a brace showcase on him. For sure. Bamford is 27 years old. Now, mm -hmm. we'd probably say he is in the prime years. If most... People, if people don't know, certain footballers peak at different times, like Wayne Rooney peaked a lot earlier than maybe a traditional striker would. However, the golden years for a striker tend to be sort of anywhere between 26 to 30. Sometimes it's 28 to 32, whatever it may be. However, he's in his peak years, or at least predicted peak years. Bamford, I was going to cite another championship player. Well, there are two players I can cite that have played in the Premier League that do yeah. better in the championship. Now, Mitrovic, who plays for Fulham, mm -hmm. always plays better in the Championship than he does in the Premier League. And uh, Anthony Nothart for Brighton actually opted after one season in the Premier League to go back to the Championship because he knew his level yeah. and was more comfortable playing there. And now obviously he's sure. come back up. The interesting thing about Bamford is sometimes people know their Championship players. Sometimes people are told they're Championship players. And I think... Bamford definitely falls into the latter of those two uh, categories because from almost all of his career, people have told him, you've had more success at championship level. You play better at championship level. You're probably a championship player. But Bamford's always been promoted and then goes back down, either with the same team or by choice. But I think Bamford's career has more been about finding the setup which most benefits him or teams that most benefit him. Because as we know, Certain strikers, look at, look at Mitrovic, right? He went to mm -hmm. Newcastle. They paid a lot of money for him. It didn't work out. Sold him to Fulham, and suddenly he starts banging them in for Fulham because the setup works for him. They're willing to build the team around him. He's an integral cog in the machine of Fulham, whatever it might be. I think the same applies to, to Patrick Bamford. Now, Bamford started his career out at Nottingham Forest, which an old boss of mine would have um, been very happy about that we're talking about him today. So he did his entire youth career there from 2001 to 2011. Oh, um, okay. And he made only two appearances for the first team after all that time. 
Jeez. Yes, but but I, I, I will, what I will say about Bamford is that that's because someone spotted him as a potential eye for talent. Now, what Premier League team do you know, Ian, that loves to hoard youth players and loan them out? Could you could you take a guess? Are we talking Arsenal? No, nah, we're talking Chelsea. So Chelsea bought Patrick Bamford for one point five million. Indeed. Literally after he made two appearances the first knocks and first team. Uh, on the 8th of February 2012, he started to train with Chelsea's first team. He played for the reserves and then he signed a new three-year uh, three deal. Now, unfortunately, listeners, if you do not know, Chelsea have this history of buying youth talent and then they never quite break into the first team. Uh, Mohamed Salah, De Bruyne. Mm-hmm which have, again, gone to Liverpool, Roma, and obviously De Bruyne went to Wolfsburg and Man City. It happens. Another one, another famous one is Romelu Lukaku, loaned to Everton multiple times, sold to Everton because Chelsea never thought he'd be good enough, and then eventually moved to Manchester United, obviously, and now to Inter Milan. Let me ask you this, Ian. He was contracted at Chelsea for five seasons. I put Pride Rock purchase, yeah? You're welcome. Chelsea had him for five seasons. How many appearances did he make for the first team? Oh, I'm going to put... Well, if he only made two, his starting club, I'm going to put five? Zero. No appearance for Chelsea. Not one. They bought him for 1.5 million. He made no appearance in five years for the first team. However, he went on five loans. What is Chelsea... like? What is their game plan there? Do they not understand what to do with their youth? Or they just don't have the confidence? I don't know. I The thing is, it's the Man City equation, right? Is that if you buy good yeah. players, no one else can buy them. If you buy good youth talent, True. it's a good investment. If they work out, great. If not, you sell them on for profit. And, that, and that's what they do. They buy them for £1.5 mm. and they sell them on for about £6 million. It might be marginal yeah. profit in their eyes, but regardless, it is profit. So... Yeah, Football Pyramid World Tour is what I've put here. Because <laughs> that's what uh, young Patrick Bamford went on. So his first loan, 2012 to 2013, he went to Milton Keynes, Dons. He made 37 appearances and scored 18 goals. Pretty good. Solid. Then the following season, he went to Derby County on loan. I think it was only for half a season, actually. And mm-hmm. he made 21 appearances and scored eight goals. Then the following year, and this is the pivotal one on his Football Pyramid World Tour, he went to Middlesbrough, right? Okay. And in 38 appearances, he scored 17 goals. That's good. Then they went, okay, maybe maybe we don't loan him to championship teams anymore. Let's try and bring the level up. So he went into Palace. Now, the problem is with going to a Premier League team, and this is where a lot of criticism comes for Bamford, is that he struggled to make it into the first team, right? Sure, so yeah. he only made six appearances. He scored no goals in 2015. In 2016, he went to Norwich. He made seven appearances. He scored no goals. In 2017, he went to Burnley. He made six appearances. He scored no goals. Not good. It's not looking good so far. Not a good road part of your career. I'm sure he was incredibly frustrated at that time. But, But the team, the pivotal team when we see something in Patrick Bamford because he's versatile, we think he can play on the wing, he can play as a number nine, he can play as a number 10, he's a creator and an attacker. So we're going to be stuck in the middle with you, Patrick. And you're coming <laughs> back to Middlesbrough. Not only did they 
rate him, they bought him, which was the most important thing. So he Impressive. That's enough, Chelsea. I'm never going to break into the first team. It's time for me to go to Middlesbrough. So then they were in the Premier League, Middlesbrough at that time. He joined for 5.5 million and he was reunited with the manager that had been there previously. He did actually face his old club, Chelsea, very shortly after that. And he lost (laughs) 3-0. So, not great. However, no. that season, he finally did score his first Premier League goal against Southampton. How many goals. appearances? In eight appearances for Middlesbrough in the Premier League, because he was bought in the January transfer window, I for believe, sure. he only scored one goal. That's, that's a better ratio than he was having previously. So. 100%. Yeah. And I'm not being too critical here, because obviously Middlesbrough went on to be relegated. Right? So they, they moved down. Now, collectively, in his in his time with Middlesbrough in the Champions League, mm. in 47 appearances, he scored 12 goals. Beautiful. Lovely. It didn't work out. After Middlesbrough were knocked out of the playoff semi-finals by Aston Villa, do you remember that season when they finally came back and they, they beat Fulham in the final, Villa, and they came yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. In the 2018-2019 series, and this, this is where the journeyman, because his journey... Bamford's journey is one of a journeyman's, like finding the right mm. team, finding the right outfit, moving through various teams, being rated by certain managers and underappreciated by certain clubs. But eventually, he found his footing with the Leeds project. And obviously, as we know, the Leeds project, Ian, has been a very long one to get them back to the Premier League. They even had a documentary, didn't they, in uh, 2018, which called yeah, Take Us Home. Unfortunately, that year they didn't get taken home. It was the following year it finally happened. However, Bamford, in, on the 31st of July 2018, he joined Leeds for an undisclosed fee. A lot of people seem to think it was like 7 million, rising up to 10 million because he was doing quite well in the championship. Mm-hmm. And he was given the number nine shirt. Bamford was their most expensive signing for around 17 years. Obviously, we know that's now been broken. But at the time, he was the most expensive player bought since Robbie Fowler in 2001. You could see the, the impetus there from Leeds to go, we For are sure, going yeah. back to the Premier League. Bamford went on to do incredibly well for Leeds, as we, as we will know. And I'll briefly talk about some of his stats here. In 73 appearances, he scored 31 league goals for Leeds. Six of those coming this season. Now, in particular, we can talk about Bamford this season. He has scored against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. He has scored a hat-trick against Leeds. And I can't remember the, who the two other goals came against. However, in six appearances in the Premier League, he has scored six goals. So it finally wow. seems like Patrick has found his home. This Indeed. is his home. He got taken home for sure. He got taken home. Bamford loves the Premier League right now. And I, Joe, you know what? He's done the grind. That's the thing. He, some I was about to say, like, instantly. we've spoken about footballers who are massive. We've spoken about the ones that you know have started a career well. Mm. But you're, we're now talking about a player who has played his heart out every chance he's gotten. He's been put down and he just keeps going because that's his dream and he wants to do it. And now he's at the top tail. Well, not, let's not say the top tail of his dream, but he's living it. Like six goals in six games. Look, I, I wish him nothing but the best. And he must have been frustrated when Leeds came up because they bought Rodrigo, which was another yeah. striker. You know, So he must have been thinking... Am I going to be replaced? Where's Rodrigo going to play? Is he going to play on the wing? Am I going to play on the wing? If I get played on the wing, I'm probably going to be stifled in front of goal. But what he has to keep doing is making the decision hard for Bielsa. He has to keep Mm -hmm. making him think, right, 
I need to pick Bamford because he delivers. And so far, six and six is better than some of the elite strikers at the top six clubs. Like yeah. Martial hasn't even scored this season. So and, he, and he's got a premiership ball now sitting in his lounge. Like oh, that. yeah, God. He's taking the ball home. I bet he's absolutely chuffed with that. You know, in, yeah. what's it? If you look at it collectively, I think in, you know, he's made 33 appearances in the Premier League. Sure. Six for Palace, seven for Norwich, six for Burnley, eight for Middlesbrough. And out of those, he's got one goal. But in his first season for Leeds, in six appearances, six goals. That's it. Yeah. You're always just searching for your team. And that's what we're talking about, team units and yeah. working as a team and being part of it. And clearly, he's found his home. It's the same as any job, right? If I go to a job and culturally, I don't think I'm a good fit or it doesn't benefit mm. me or it doesn't empower me or lift me up, of course, I'm going to ask questions or look elsewhere this is obviously the right job for him and I wish him nothing but success. Now, a couple of little side, well, one side anecdote I've put from here, from Ireland to Ireland and back again, a Bamford's tale. Go on, you got to give us the pun there though. Ireland well, to Ireland. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's from Ireland, the country, to Ireland, which is England. So essentially, he, due to the grandparent rule, Bamford is eligible to play for Ireland if he so chooses, and at youth level, he did. This is a, a modern problem for a lot of English talent because the contest to get into the England team is so high mm-hmm. that if you don't play for yeah. a big six club, a lot of players feel like they can't break into the England squad, and obviously he doesn't play for a top six club. However, he elected to play, after playing at youth level for Ireland, he elected to also play for, for England at youth level. Now, there's some contention over what his current national eligibility or selection is because he decided in July 2018 that he might again play for Ireland. Okay. However, at the end of 2018, the Republic of Ireland manager, Mick McCarthy, confirmed he was talking to Bamford about calling him up to the national team. And on the 7th of March, 2019, said that Bamford would be switching allegiances back to Ireland. However, three months later, he was still waiting for Bamford to make a decision about playing for Ireland, knowing how he was refusing to chase Bamford, former Leeds and Republic of Ireland striker Robbie Keane, criticised Bamford for saying, I'll tell you with Patrick Bamford, he should be chasing us. He should want to come here. If he doesn't want to, no problem. We shouldn't be chasing people, by the way. So obviously... It's that it's that McTominay issue, right? McTominay. Yeah, I'm never going to for the call, isn't it? I'm never going to break into the England setup. You know, look who he's got in front of him: Harry Kane, Rashford, yeah. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's on fire. It's tough, isn't it? It's it's, it's tough, and it's like, do you want to wait for the call or do you want to play internationally? Problem is, you know, with England, you're likely to play at a tournament with the Republic of Ireland you might not in your entire career. And that's that's no slight against Ireland. That's just, I'm going off the precedent that they've set. Mm. Look, it's... It's tricky. Like, like you want to play... It's just, he's clearly hedging his bets. He's clearly just hoping the England call is going to come. And then that's just disrespectful to Ireland. And then you're not going to get your place there. So he's playing with fire a little bit there, but hopefully he makes his decision. It's for his benefit, really. Oh, look, look at Grealish. Grealish opted to not play for Ireland, even though that he played for them at youth level. Mm. They really rated him and wanted him to play for them. However, he opted for, I'm going to play for England instead. And finally, he's had his call up. Yeah. 
it can happen. And if Patrick puts in the performances, I'm sure that will be reflected in the decision-making by Gareth Southgate. Oh, definitely. Only time will tell. However, if you keep scoring hat-tricks and you keep scoring a goal a game in the Premier League, I don't really think there's much they can do about it, to be honest. Yeah, you can't argue. You're definitely you will force your way out. into the team. Sure, you know, yeah. And obviously, he's in his prime years. Who have Leeds got next? That's who I would be keen. I want to see how long, how long the, uh, the old journey can go for. So Leeds have got next. Leicester, tough game. Tough, really tough game. tough game but is it a tough game that's the question you have to ask isn't it is it a tough game or you know will Leicester do their classic beat Arsenal and then <laughs> go oh Leeds you can roll us that's over it, yeah who knows but I mean Leeds are, Leeds are willing to bounce back Leeds still want this I think they're still a strong team as we've said previously oh yeah 100% they're definitely not done and look as a final po- point on Patrick Bamford one final point on Patrick Bamford is he is the epitome of hard work rewarding you the way it should. He is dedicated. He has not given up. He has gone through the trials and tribulations and is seeing the rewards now. And I hope those rewards continue for him because clearly he has an ability and his left foot is outrageous. His second goal against Villa was class. And obviously, listen, he's not phased by playing these big teams. He's, well, Villa... I'm not going to say they're a small club because they're not. Oh, However, they're, they're on great but, form, yeah. right? And he's also scored against Liverpool. He's obviously not intimidated by the opponent and he's just doing his thing. And I think Bielsa is encroaching into players the right mentality mm. going forward. So, you know, Patrick, I want to see more from you. I want to see you score more Premier League hat-tricks, just not against Manchester United. It's <laughs> as simple as that. I'm sure Ian would say the same for Tottenham. Oh, of course, of course. Score your goals elsewhere, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right. So, moving on to the head-to-head results. Now, Ian beat me in the Fancy League this week. Oh, you didn't even let me get a chance to say it. I was so amped. I have literally... I am the Patrick Bamford of that league this week. Mm -hmm. I have grinded my way through, and now I'm sitting on top, and I'm happy. 10 it's, points. He, he got 77 points and I got 36. I had a woeful week. It yeah. was a terrible week. Loads of players underperformed that was expected to perform. But that's just the way it goes in fantasy leagues. I'm but the thing, yeah, but the thing was is uh, we both had Kane and Son in our teams. And I knew and Monday night the was The vital coming. points. Yeah, the vital points like, for me oh. to get me above average. I know. Harry um, Kane. I'm just saying eight assists and five goals is out, eight out, assists outrageous. Eight assists is disgusting. Watch Kane this season. I reckon it's Kane or Son for Player of the Month, I think, this month. For sure, so, for sure. Head-to-head results from last weekend. I haven't gone through yes. these yet, so let's go through them quickly. Okay, let's see if I can get some more points on the board. Okay, so we both thought Villa would definitely beat Leeds and we were both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> great start, great start, great start. Uh, we also both thought that City would beat West Ham. <laughs> so let's <laughs> just move on from that. Okay. Uh, uh, I actually had 2-0 Palace and then fucking they scored that wonder goal. Tom, special shout out to Dude. Tom Kearney, by the way. What a worldie that was. But Indeed. Uh, you thought they'd draw, so it's 1-0 to me at the moment. We both thought Manchester United would beat Chelsea and obviously it was a draw. So it's been a very yeah, poor week so far, I'm not going to lie to you. You're not going to like this, Ian. No, got, you didn't I've put 2-1, did you? I put 2-1 Liverpool. <laughs> no, well, I put 3-1, didn't I? Yep. Oh, come on. So it's 4 hey, We still, we both back Sheffield for a goal. I'm impressed, though. Now, Ian, you did put 2-0 in the Everton-Southampton game, but you put it to Everton. Yeah, but the other way around. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> well, there's no point dragging it out, man. 
Uh, Wolves what Newcastle. You I you put one nil Wolves, right? Oh. Now we didn't speak about the Wolves game, by the way. No, we didn't shamefully because that but Newcastle free kick. Both goals were outrageous in oh. that game. Jimenez's volley was class, <sighs> and that 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 free kick by Murphy was Roberto Carlos esque. My God, the bend on yeah, that ball! That you could see Patricio was just like no. <laughs> No. no, there's no way curling it around the wall at the near post. I know, absolutely shake my head o'clock. That is terrible. So oh, neither of us got that right. We both we both bat wolves, and it was a draw. Arsenal Leicester. I went for Leicester to win two one, so I get the point. Thank you very much. And yeah, you, you went two two. So sorry about that. Absolutely woeful. Brighton West, uh, Brighton West Brom. Sorry, I went for a draw. I uh, was right, and you went for three-one West Brom. <laughs> Ian, you've currently got no points again. It's currently six-nil to me. I definitely get points in the next one. I know I back Spurs, so I'm safe. There's definitely a point there. Yes, yes. So you get one point because you went <laughs> two-one Tottenham, and I, I went four-one. Obviously, I was wrong, but it, the final score is seven-one to me. Making it 5-1 overall. That was a really good one for me. So yeah, 5-1 overall. <laughs> I should start putting 50p bets on all these results, as in the ones you I back, because I would I would probably make some money back. Okay. Viewers, we'll so put it all in a pot for Ian, Ian beat me in the fancy league, but once again, I have defeated him in the head-to-head results. Am I yeah, shocked? I no. I Am I disappointed about the fancy league? Yes. But there's always next week. Always next week. Right, okay, so it's time for the upcoming game weekend. Are you ready? Let's get yes. ready to Umbo. Can I actually say that? I probably can't. Yeah, say why that. not? You can say whatever you want, man. No one's coming for us yet. <laughs> right, okay, so on the night of my birthday, that's right, listeners, it's my birthday soon. Make sure you send me some love. Mum, give me some money, money please. You want Man United to send you some luck tonight? Yeah, listen, I'm uh, a tough game, really tough game. Now, okay, so we're going Wolves uh, Palace is the first game. What are you saying? Tough game, really tough game. Two two. Two two. Two two. Anything other than that, and you'll win, mate, because you got this. I'm going one nil Wolves. Oh mate, I've got breathing space beyond belief. (laughs) It's disgusting. I've got like I could lose six weeks in a row. (laughs) <laughs> and then you'd beat me. So All right, yeah, let's not get too cocky, man. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. Okay, Sheffield United versus Man City. United Sheffield looked like they were showing some of that spine they had last yeah, season finally. Sure. Hmm. It's tough because City are in incredibly poor form. Yeah. I'm 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 still gonna say City are probably gonna win 2-0. Yeah, I'm gonna oh I was gonna go 2-0 because I wanted to pick some oh, maybe I'll just copy you. Uh, no, 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one to, Sheff- to uh, Man City. 2-1. Man City. Okay. Chelsea-Burnley. Um, Chelsea. Going to go 2-0 on that one. 2-0 Chelsea. Yeah. Okay. That is... I'm going to go... I think Burnley are tough. I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be 1-1. Okay, okay. Then we've got yeah, really Liverpool tough. West Ham. Oof. Oh, it's tough because West hey, Ham West are Ham just so so. Um, yeah, and the thing is, they've done really well through it. But I guarantee, when they get to the easy games, they start losing them. I guarantee yeah, it, listeners. Sure. 
Okay, so three two West Ham. Ooh, he's called it. Damn. Okay. I think I'm gonna go two two. I really would love to see West Ham win it, but I still think they're at that position where they haven't. The got thing that is, now goal. that we've now we've backed West Ham. Yeah, I know, right? Lose. Yeah. <laughs> it's a but that is no offense to the fans of Hammers. I'm sorry, like we're just trying to support you guys. Yeah, well, you you've proven me wrong. It, you've 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 changed my mind about you, West Ham. So Indeed. I'm now backing you, but don't disrespect me by <laughs> then not delivering. I expect to see you give Liverpool a hell of a game and Antonio to run riot against Fabinho Indeed. and Joe Gomez. We want a nice finish this Saturday afternoon. Here's a really tough game for you. Villa yeah. Southampton. Tough. Oh my god, really, that's really hard. Villa are on such good form. I think they were so unlucky against Leeds. They need to bounce back, but Southampton yeah. are in good form as well. I think I'm gonna go three one Aston Villa. Three one Villa. Oof my mm. god. Uh okay. I think it's gonna be a draw and I'm gonna go one one. Okay. Then obviously we've got Potential champions, Everton? Yeah. Versus Newcastle. What are you thinking there, Ian? It's a tough one. Because Newcastle do look good. And like they keep surprising. I don't know. They were terrible against us. They showed a little bit of fight. Yeah, but this is it, isn't it? One week on, one week off. So is this the week off? Or are they going to... I think, look, Everton are going to come at them hard would be my prediction. I'm going to go 2-0 Everton. 2-0. Everton, I was going to go 3-1 Everton. Okay. I think Newcastle will score. And special sh- shout out to Newcastle because I keep saying it, I really wish United would buy him. Alan St. Maximum is class. He's so good. He's so good on the ball. His dribbling ability, mm. his swagger, his ability to frustrate yeah. defenders. God, I, ra- was... I rate him so highly. Yeah, he looks great. Um... Manchester United versus Arsenal. Now, please don't break my heart on, on my birthday weekend. United, please. I beg. Um, it's at Old Trafford. United don't have a great result at Old Trafford mm. at the moment this season. <sighs> me, of course. It's fucking oh, me. Yeah, yeah. You are. <laughs> um, How many goals are you going to score? Uh, listen. I've said it last week, and I'll say it this week. Arsenal have a terrible record against the top six. They haven't won in 28 games, but that record will come to an end. It will come to an end. They will finally beat a top six club away from home. Will it be this weekend? I don't know. I'm going to have to back United. I'm going to go 2-1 United. Okay. I'm going to go 1-0 United. I think you're both on somewhat rocky ground. I think it really depends how United do tonight. Yeah, true, true. So I think if we if we finally win at Old Trafford tonight, it might you know re- revitalise our home performances. But yeah, but then your draw came off of your win at PSG, so it's tough, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that was away from home that win. Yeah. Okay, so Spurs versus Brighton. Look, Listen, if Kane or Son want Player of the Month, they need to grab it by the fucking scruff yeah. of the neck in this game and go, "It's mine." That's what they need this, to do. This is the kind of game we just throw away. Um... Brighton always give you problems. Yeah, it's so tough. But obviously going to back Spurs on this one. Oh, what am I going to say? I think it's going to be 2-0 Spurs. 2-0 Spurs, okay. Mm. I think Brighton will score. I will go 2-1 Spurs. 
Okay, okay. And then we've got Fulham, West Brom, the battle of relegation. <laughs> six relegation, six point there at the bottom of the table. Um, Tough, isn't it? Fulham need a win. Fulham, yeah. Fulham need a win so badly. But are they going to throw everything at it and leave themselves vulnerable? I think it could be a draw, which would yeah. be probably the safest result. But I'm going to go 2-1 West Brom. I stand by what I said. I think I think Fulham are going down. Yeah. I'm going to go 2-0 West Brom. 2-0 West Brom. You price is right with me. You yeah, man. You did it earlier and I'm going to hit you back. But I'm allowed to do it because that's what double standards are. Oh, don't we love them. Leeds versus Leicester. Really hard game to call. Indeed. Some more Bamford magic or is it going to be a Vardy party? Yeah, well, exactly. Now, is, is it going to be a Bamford bash or is it going to be oh, a Vardy party? Oh, there we go. It's there you go. <laughs> oh, it's a tough one, man. Um... Hopefully an exciting game. I'm going to go 3-2 to... Um, oh, it's a liar. I'm going to say Leicester. 3-2 Leicester. Yeah, I don't want it to be, but I think that's the way it's going to go. Uh, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Okay. I think they're going to cancel each other out, or one's going to run away with it, but I'm, I'm willing to take the, the risk, as it were. Right. Have, has either team drawn this year yet? Uh, no, but I think inevitably that okay, will come. This is, this, is, this is the weekend. That will happen. So it might be this weekend. It might not. Obviously, I can be a little bit more risque at the moment with my, uh, with my calls for game results because I have the safe, the cushion of a four-goal uh, four yeah, lead. Yeah, man, I'm just out attacking. I've got all 11 men up the field right now. Yeah, so you're high-pressing the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. So, Okay. That is another week on the Brace Yourself podcast. It was a delightful week. And I actually quite enjoyed this week having to do a showcase on an underknown or underappreciated footballer or a prime example of how English footballers can still force their way to success, even if they're not backed by you know, a top six club. It is, yeah. it's, it's quite nice to be able to, not necessarily reward, because Bamford finds no gratification from this minuscule podcast. But, however, to be able to maybe open the eyes to whoever listens that you know there well, is I mean, virtual there is virtues in every single footballer and in some way they can contribute indeed like he's not someone that's been on my radar particularly so it was great mm. to hear like his where he's come from especially when you get to see someone doing so well at the weekend you're like oh so who is this person oh 100 percent. Providely, and you've provided a nice narrative and now i know who he is and now i'm excited to see him play some more i really hope he scores against chelsea oh you know, five years there didn't score yeah. i hope he scores and i hope Huge he celebrates i hope yeah. he celebrates and goes mental well, that's and, and that's the beauty of football and i hope we get that sort of narrative and that sort of story because there that that, that does happen like mm. you know we all love it in football i hope cavani scores against psg you know just because up yours you know, it's fun. Yeah, maybe it's not as... Maybe, yeah, well, you love it, Ian. When Adebayor scored against Arsenal, then run up the other end and danced in front of the Arsenal fans. That's too contentious for me. But Fuck still- man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nevertheless, it, it's been another good week of football in the Premier League. Exciting. Very exciting. However, I feel like there is danger of us slipping towards Liverpool just going into cruise mode and, and yes. jetting off with it. So... 
Liverpool, I hope West Ham give them problems and I hope Everton create a little bit. Because I want to see a contest. I want to see more than a two-horse race. I want to see a, a little a fight at the top, a scramble at the top. Mm. You know, that's when it's most exciting. Last season, mm-hmm. yes, okay, Liverpool ran away a bit. Great for Liverpool fans, but for everyone else, we're yeah. like, oh, God, can we, can we just get to next season already? You know, and I'm sure it's felt that way in the past when United have won the league or Arsenal have won the league or whatever. But still, mm. it's nice when there's drama. We love the drama. We Inject the drama, the drama into our veins. The only part We're of the life I need it in, please. Completely agree. So, thank you listeners for listening this week. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another Brace Showcase, another weekend of exciting football news. And until next time, much love and peace. Indeed. And a big happy birthday to Harley! Oh, thank you very much, mate. Ooh. Yes, I'm turning 21. I can't believe it. <laughs> Again? <laughs> I've been 21 for the last seven years. <laughs> well, let's hope Man United do the madness Listen, for you. You can have a good birthday weekend. Hopefully United win tonight. Please, United, please. <laughs> and hopefully they win on the weekend. That would That's all I want for my birthday and a PlayStation 5 that comes in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> anyway, listeners, I digress. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Mwah. Indeed. Peace.